Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. So you can see that we're starting a new sermon series today. I'm excited for it. Um, And we're just going to start right off by reading kind of a theme verse, uh, focal verse for the series. And so I'm glad you got settled. I'm going to ask you to stand and... uh, And we're going to read God's word together. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. It's just two verses today that we're going to focus on. We're going to be looking at a lot of different scripture, but these are two verses we'll look at. I'll read it if you'll follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. This will be what we focus on. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let me pray for us. Father, um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to gather with your people, to sing praises to you, to once again every day surrender to you. Father, uh, so we look to your word as we look toward what it looks like to train ourselves for godliness. May we keep at the forefront of our minds what we just said, that we surrender all, all to you. Lord, we ask that you speak to us, that you give us the ears to hear you, that you speak through me this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Okay, so like I mentioned, uh, we're launching into a new sermon series today that's called Rhythms and Disciplines, uh, subtitle for that, Establishing Patterns for Transformation. Now, in order to understand Christian rhythms and disciplines, we have to understand two, two kind of primary theological concepts. So we're going to start off this morning, I want to teach you some theology a little bit, and then we'll get into some practical stuff. So Um, The two theological concepts we need to understand are the ideas of justification and sanctification. So those are really big words, justification and sanctification. So uh, what are they? Well, justification, simply put, is when God declares a believer to be righteous because of their faith in Christ. If you're a note taker, you could write that down. Justification is when God declares a believer to be righteous because of their faith in Christ. Now, if we're going to look at a verse to show this, we can look at Romans 3, 23 through 25. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have. He says, Those sinners, though, are justified and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation, payment for, by his blood to be received by faith. Okay, so you justly owe a wage, a penalty for your sins, and Jesus went to the cross to pay that penalty on your behalf, okay? So by placing your faith in him um, and his payment for your sins upon the cross, you are declared 
to be forgiven by God of your sins. You're declared to be righteous. You're declared to be justified. In other words, the, 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 the debt that you owed is now paid in full by what Jesus has done for you and by placing your faith in him. So you no longer owe the, the just penalty for your sins because Jesus paid it for you. Uh, this in the modern church, we often refer to this as like being saved. Uh, if, if someone is saved, there's someone who is justified. They've placed their faith in Christ uh, for the forgiveness of their sins. And, and then they are uh, legally declared by God to be justified. They are to be righteous. Now, um, this happens the moment a person declares or places their faith in Jesus. It's, it's not something that happens over time. You are you are declared by God to be justified the moment you place your faith in Christ. But just because you're declared justified or declared righteous, well, let me ask this. Show of hands. This is this is this going to be interesting to see how you guys respond to this. Um, okay, so if you have. Uh, been justified. If you dec- if if you've placed your faith in Jesus and and what He's done for you on the cross for your sins, if you've done that, if you've given your life to Christ, can you just raise your hand? I, I expect there's going to be a lot of hands that go up around the room. Awesome. This is not going to be an invitation. Don't worry. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay. Um, now I I want you to leave your hand up. If you have sinned since the moment you've placed your faith in Christ. Okay. Wow. I guess that's all of us, right? You can put your hands down. So I, I, if you're a visitor and you didn't know what to expect and you walked in the room, congratulations. You're in the room with a lot of sinners. Uh, so just like you. So if you're looking for the perfect church, this is not it. Okay. Um, but uh, but I tell you what, um, so he, here's the thing. So just because you're uh, declared righteous by God by placing your faith in Jesus doesn't mean that you're still, you still don't wrestle with sins. Doesn't mean that there's still not a sense of brokenness in your life. Um, that you are declared righteous by faith in what Christ has done for you. And yet, much of our life is still ravaged by sin and the consequences of sin in in some ways not God's consequences on us for eternity but just the earthly consequences of sin and uh, we we uh, we are impacted by that still even though we're declared righteous this is where sanctification that other big word comes into play so sanctification is uh so do our, well justification was our declared righteousness by God sanctification is our gradual growing in godliness by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Sanctification is our gradual growing in righteousness by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We've been declared righteous by God by placing our faith in him. And then God takes his Holy Spirit, his spirit, and puts it in us to work in us and make us into people who gradually and continually grow to reflect our declared status of righteous. Okay? So, in other words, sanctification is the beautiful and gradual process of God working in the life of a believer to transform us, transform you to be more like Jesus, to work, uh, to work in you, to grow you in love for him and for others, to work sinful desires out of you, 
to work to grow your affection for, for God and for the things he desires for you, um, to help you to grow into the person that he desires you to be, to renew your mind, to transform you from the inside out. This is what sanctification is. Now, the question is, what do justification and sanctification have to do with spiritual rhythms and disciplines? Well, God uses three primary means to sanctify us. So he does all of it by the work of his spirit that lives and dwells in the believer, but he uses three primary means that we can see to sanctify us, to grow us in godliness. Those three things, if you're a note taker, this is quick, we're going to get to fun stuff in a second. Um, but the the first uh, one that I want to mention here is God uses other people to sanctify us. So um, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so God uses other people. You can see this in your life, can you not? Has God used other people in your life to help mold and shape you into the, the God-glorifying person that you are? I, I would pray that God put parents in your life. Many of, many of you, that didn't happen, but some of you, it did. God put parents in your life. God put Sunday school teachers in your life. God put small group leaders in your life. God put all kinds of people in your life to, to mold you and shape you into the image that God is wanting to cultivate you into. Uh, he's, he's, he's shaping you into the image of Christ. So other people, the second means that God uses is our circumstances. So Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, many, I, I, I think that many of you can see how God has used various circumstances in your life to shape you into the God-glorifying person that you are today, that you can look back at circumstances. Maybe it was that sickness. Maybe it was that job. Maybe it was all kinds of different things. God used circumstances to shape you and mold you and make you more into the image of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that God always caused those circumstances, but he uses those circumstances. Third uh, means is the rhythms and disciplines prescribed in Scripture is what God uses to sanctify us. We can see this is where 1 Timothy 4, 7 comes in, where Paul says, train yourself for godliness. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because for the most part, we don't really have that much control over the people in our life. For the most part, we don't have that much control over the circumstances in our life. But for the most part, you do have control over the rhythms and the disciplines you choose to practice in your life. And so this sermon series, i, I just trying to set the stage today. This sermon series aims to help you understand and establish healthy rhythms and spiritual disciplines in your life so that God works in and through you in mighty ways to shape and mold you for your good and his glory. So let's get to the fun part. So I want to talk about uh, three main things. So this is called rhythms and disciplines. I want to talk about the idea of disciplines. I want to talk about the, uh, talk about the idea of rhythms. And then I want to talk about the idea of just the goal of uh, the rhythms and disciplines. So point one this morning, there's no fill in the blanks. I don't think this morning, unless they put some in there, it's just 
areas for you to take notes. And so uh, the disciplines. So um, who, who here loves to talk about discipline? No one, right? No one does. Um, it's our natural tendency is toward aversion when we think about discipline. We don't like the idea of discipline, and yet our lives are filled with disciplines. So, so let me just highlight some for you this morning. So you wouldn't be here if you didn't discipline yourself either to go to bed on, at a good time or to wake up on time, right? So you wouldn't be here if you didn't do one of those two things. Here's, here's a good one. This is a really important one. You would not be in this room, I promise you, if you didn't discipline yourself to put on clothing every morning. If you showed up at our doors, I would flag down Felix, the guy out there with a gun, the police officer, and he would put you in handcuffs and take you away if you showed up without clothes on, okay? So you can't come here without clothes on. So if you didn't have a discipline to put on clothes every day, then you wouldn't be here. If you, if you didn't, for many of you, because you live a good distance away from this building, um, you, you wouldn't be here if you didn't discipline yourself when you were 16, 17, 18, or whatever to learn how to drive a car. You wouldn't be here if you didn't discipline yourself to do that, or if you didn't drive with discipline since then, right? Um, because you would have your license taken away or you probably wouldn't be with us anymore. Um, so we discipline ourselves in so many ways. Our lives are filled with disciplines everywhere we look. Disciplines and practices everywhere. And our spiritual lives are no different. You have spiritual disciplines and practices whether you realize it or not. Okay, so what is a spiritual discipline? I have a definition for you. A spiritual discipline, uh, spiritual disciplines are the personal and corporate practices that promote spiritual growth. They are the intentional habits Christians form that lead them into deeper enjoyment of God and obedience to his commands. I know that's a long definition, but they're, they're personal and corporate practices that you implement in your life to help you grow in godliness. This is what Timothy was talking about when he, or sorry, Paul was talking about when he told Timothy to train himself for godliness. Now, the word in Greek that he uses uh, in the ESV, it's translated as train. Your translation uh, may may use that word differently. It's the Greek word hymnazo. And the Greek word hymnazo, like in the KJV, I think it's translated as exercise yourself for godliness. Um, Some translations say, um, uh, discipline yourself for godliness. But the Greek word hymnazo is, uh, this is what's implied here, to, to exercise, to train, to discipline oneself. And it's the same word that we get our, uh, from Latin word, the word gymnasium. So hymnazo and gymnasium were uh, similar words. And gymnasium, I, I know maybe, uh, maybe you guys haven't been to the gym in a while, but what is a gym? It is a room filled with exercise equipment or space to train the body for some activity. That's what a gymnasium or a gym is. And so Paul, in using this word, train ourselves, exercise ourselves for godliness, he's, he's using this to point our eyes towards 
this similar idea of working out. And I think it's a great analogy because think about it. Like, so a, a weightlifter, um, I know you look at me and you think Pierce definitely lifts weights. No, no, I got to, I need to start lifting weights. Um, okay, especially after taking a cruise this past week. It's like, I got to start working out. Am I the only one you go on vacation and then like midway through the vacation, you're like, you know, I think I need to start working out. This is not, <laughs> this isn't working well. Okay, anyway, so, uh, so like a professional weightlifter who goes to the gym every day to lift weights and do the same exercises every day, every day, their, their weightlifting makes a minuscule difference in their strength, but they go every day and it compounds and it builds. And over time, their body is transformed and they turn from something like this into a bodybuilder, right? Where they are, they are amazingly strong and, um, whatever. So, um, not this, right? So their, their gains might seem minuscule day by day, but over time their body gets stronger and stronger. Now, here's the thing. Every day for the weightlifter, for the professional bodybuilder or whatever, every day it takes effort. Every day they have to train themselves to get out of bed and to, to not eat that extra donut and to go to the gym and to do the same exercise. And they think, I don't see any difference in what I did yesterday but they still do it knowing that over time their body will be shaped and sculpted into and transformed into something bigger and stronger. Similarly, we train for godliness, meaning that it takes effort, doesn't come naturally, and we have to create room and space in our lives to do it. But when we do, God is faithful to use the disciplines uh, spiritual disciplines to gloriously transform us like a bodybuilder, gloriously transform us into the image of his son day by day. Now that's an important aspect of spiritual disciplines that we need to understand. That it's God who does the work of transforming us. We don't by our own effort transform ourselves and make ourselves more godly. It's God by his spirit's work that works in us He's transforming us from the inside out. But one of the cool things is God has chosen to use the grace-sustained spiritual disciplines prescribed in Scripture as a conduit for His Holy Spirit's work to shape you into the image of Christ. So that's an awesome and beautiful thing. And there's a lot of dis different disciplines prescribed in Scripture. In fact, I have a book that, that lists 63 spiritual disciplines listed in Scripture. A lot. Um, there's no expectation for you to practice all of them. That would be outrageous and ridiculous. But there are many in Scripture. Some are more important than others. So there are things like uh, reading your Bible. There are things like prayer, uh, worship, stewardship, silence, and solitude. Something you guys need to practice more. No, I'm kidding. Um, my wife's telling me that. Oh uh, no. <laughs> Silence and solitude, uh, things like evangelism. So uh, there are all kinds of spiritual disciplines that, that take effort, that you have, to, you have to practice and put yourself out there and create space in your life to do this. 
but God uses it to mold and shape you into the image of Christ to work sinful desires out of you, to transform you from the inside out into the image of his son. Over the next 10 weeks, and not all sermons aren't all going to be like this, over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to take one discipline every week and just unpack it and help you see a practical ways to implement this thing in your life and why it's crucial for you as a believer and follower of Christ. Okay, the second thing I want to hit is the rhythm. Um, so we have, this is a rhythms and disciplines sermon series. So we have the disciplines, but we have the rhythms. So a few years ago, I began begrudgingly because my doctor told me I had to. I began running. And not run, the, the doctor didn't say I had to run. He just said I, he said I had to get more cardio. And so I started running and it was terrible. It was horrible. I hated every moment of it. Um, so when I first started running, it was really bad because I was bad at running. I, I would start running. We lived on a very short block. I couldn't get to the stop sign at the end of the block before I was like, all right, I'm turning around and going back home. And so I could not run with endurance at all. And after several days of running and knowing that I, I, I got to do this, if I want to live to a certain age, I need to do this. And so I would, I would run every day and I would get a little bit further every time, but it wasn't really working. And I started to realize the need for a rhythm. So running is a rhythmic activity. You're, you're, you're doing it in a rhythm, but also running in, in with rhythm as in like how many days a week and all that matters too. And so I started to realize that I couldn't just run here or there. It couldn't be like I run one day this week and then wait two weeks and I run another day. And then it, it needed to be with consistency. You needed to have, I need to have a rhythm of running and, and at a consistent time of the day would be helpful. And so I started to try to do that. And then after attempting to do that, I started to realize that in my actual running, the activity of it, I was running with an odd rhythm, that I was almost fighting myself as I ran, that I, I, I ran too quickly and, and my steps were, I had a weird gait in the way that I walked and so, or way that I ran. And so I was almost fighting myself as I ran. And, and after a while, I started to realize I have to modify the way that I run in order to run with endurance. And so I began playing with the way that I ran. I, I ran at different paces and I ran with different ways of picking up my knees or different stride lengths and all kinds of stuff like that. And after a while, I found my body's rhythm in running. And when I figured that out, I began running with significant, significantly more endurance than I had previously. And it was all because I figured out the rhythm and began implementing it in my life. Similarly, whether you realize it or not, you live, our lives are a rhythm. You have yearly and monthly and weekly and daily and hourly rhythms. You have rhythms all over in your life. In fact, I would go so far to say that your life is governed by the rhythms that you set up. Your life is dictated by the rhythms you set up in, in almost every aspect of your life. You have a rhythm when you wake up every day, when you go to sleep. You have a rhythm of what time you go to work, of what kind of food you eat and when you eat. 
You have rhythms of what you do during your leisure time. You have rhythms of what you do when you're with your family. You have rhythms of all kinds of different things in your life. Everywhere you look, you have some form of a rhythm or a lack thereof. And my my question to you is whether your life rhythms shape you in a way that helps you run the race that's set before you or hinders you from running the race set before you. We don't ask ourselves this question enough. We don't stop often to analyze the rhythms we have enough. Are we, are we running the race with endurance? This isn't a hundred meter sprint. This is a marathon. And so are, are we thinking strategically about the way that we're running? My hope in this series is to help you establish healthy spiritual rhythms that, that you are thinking about and setting up your life in a way that is healthy, that, that yields itself to long-term endurance of running the race that God has set before you. Because this is a marathon. And my, my hope is that you endure and that you don't give up midway through. Each week, I plan to give practical uh, just tips and tools to help you implement healthy rhythms. We live in a society that in many ways, we're the healthiest society to have ever existed. And in many ways, we are the most unhealthy society to have ever existed at the same time. And so we need to highlight the good and, and bring that forward and, and accentuate that. And we need to figure out where the rhythm is off and address it. And so that's my goal in this series is to help you with that. But ultimately, there is a goal for rhythms and disciplines. There's a goal in all of this. And so the last bit here that I want to hit is the goal. So uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, we read it earlier. Paul writes to Timothy. So Paul sees Timothy almost like a son in the faith. He's invested years and years in him. He has spent time, tireless, tireless hours investing in Timothy. And here he tells him at the end of his life, writing to Timothy, he says, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what's the goal of the training? Godliness. That's the goal. And this is important for us to understand that that spiritual rhythms and disciplines, we don't do them for the sake of doing them. We don't implement them in our lives for the sake of implementing them. They are not an end in themselves, um, but they're a means to an end, the end being godliness. And so uh, we don't read the Bible just so that we know more Bible or that we know more than the person sitting next to us. Or we don't practice like silence and solitude so that we just have some peace and quiet. Like there's a difference between those two things. We, we don't practice these things for the, the sake of practicing them. Instead, we establish healthy spiritual rhythms and disciplines to create room in our lives for God to speak to us, to shape our affections and desires, and to transform us into the image of Christ. None of this is done to puff ourselves up like a Pharisee. Instead, the rhythms are done so that we commune with God, that we enjoy him for who he is, and that we create room 
in our lives for him to work in us and shape us. Now, uh, one other quick thing is that doing spiritual rhythms and disciplines does not earn us anything from God. So we don't need to look at this in a legalistic way. Uh, by reading your Bible every day, does it make God owe you anything, right? He doesn't owe you the life that you think you deserve or anything like that. That's not the way this works. And so everything, everything that you've been given and everything that God does in your life is a gift from God. It's a grace-sustained gift from God. And God's working in your life is a gift from God by faith in what Christ has done for you on the cross. And so God has, by his grace, gifted to you various rhythms and disciplines that you can choose to implement in your life. And when you do, God promises to use those rhythms and disciplines to shape and mold you for his glory and for your good. Now, I've said the word rhythms and disciplines at least like a hundred times in this sermon. I hope that you're beginning to see the, uh, and you're going to begin to see it more and more over the next 10 weeks. I know 10 weeks is a lot to unpack this, but rhythms and disciplines are more vital to your life than you realize. You are already living with a sense of rhythm and spiritual disciplines, whether you realize it or not. Whether you do go to church or don't go to church, whether you do read your Bible or don't read your Bible, whether you do pray or don't pray, all of that is uh, already set in your life. The question is, does it help you run? Now, I want to show you a photo. Do you have the photo? Awesome. Um, hey, do you guys know where this is? Any guess? That's a good old canyon right there. Yeah, that's the Grand Canyon. So, a show of hands, who has been to the Grand Canyon? And I'm a little jealous. I haven't been. Um, yeah. So um, I, I really want to go to the Grand Canyon, but I've seen photos like this one, and it's, it's stunningly beautiful. And I've been told over and over that when you get there, the, the photos don't do it justice, that you get there and you're blown away by the magnitude of the canyon. So did you know that the deepest point of the Grand Canyon is over 6,000 feet deep? It's over a mile deep. That's crazy deep. The widest part of the canyon is over 18 miles wide. Blows my mind. It's huge. The Grand Canyon is gigantic. It's deep. It's wide. It's stunningly beautiful. And then if you see in the photo, there's a river that cuts through the canyon. So the thing about the Grand Canyon that's really interesting, you know, scientists speculate. They don't know fully, but they, they, uh, they make educated guesses. They think that the Grand Canyon was formed slowly. Now, you can, you can hypothesize whatever you want, but um, this is what many scientists think, that it was formed slowly um, and through a series of floods, but that the Grand Canyon, uh, that slowly over time, the river began to cut through over, over, year, over days and then weeks and months and, and decades and centuries and millennia, that the river cut through the hard rock and over time took away more and more and more of the rock. And over time, the, the cavern, the canyon, began to form. And the, the river, just slowly taking away sediment, little by little, created 
this beautiful and magnificent and gigantic canyon that is wide, that is deep, and that is long. Well, like a river over decades and centuries that cuts through and shapes the hard ground every year, the water flows over the ground, takes away a tiny amount of sediment and deposits it somewhere else. Likewise, God uses spiritual rhythms and disciplines like a river to to shape and mold your hard heart that's like stone often. And in that he cuts, not like, not with a, not with a, not with like a bat, but like with, with a scalpel, like a, with precision, like a surgeon, God cuts ever deeper and gouges out and creates something in your heart that is both deep and wide, beautiful. And he does that through people. He does that through circumstances, but he also does that through rhythms and disciplines. And so my hope is in this sermon series that you begin to see how you can implement simple things in your life that God will use to mold and shape you into the image of his son. Little by little, every day, by doing these things, God will shape you into something beautiful. And you'll look back at your life years later, not seeing the difference that's made every day, just like the weightlifter, not seeing the difference that's made every day. You'll look back years later and you'll see, oh my goodness, the person I was is totally different than the person I am. But it's because God worked in and through me. He shaped me and he molded me. And part of the way that he did that was through the rhythms and the disciplines. Next week, we are going to unpack the most important spiritual discipline. So there's one that's the most important above all the others. And there's a really important reason for it. And so next week, we are going to unpack that actually over the next two weeks. And so um, please be back here next week. Bring a friend and I, I promise you it'll be fun and highly educational. We're going to get into some some interesting things about history. Um, but uh, next week, we'll unpack the Bible and why reading God's word is so vital to you as a believer and follower of Christ. But this week, can I give you a homework assignment and then we're going to sing together? Okay, so this week, what I want you to do, I brought up the word rhythms and disciplines a lot. I want you to simply observe your life as you're living it this week. Observe your life as you're living it. Think about what things you're doing habitually, what things you're doing over and over, what rhythms are already established in your life. Take a look at what you're, what you're going to over and over and just ask the question, does this help me run? And then as we go through this series, I, I think that we will begin to see the areas that, that aren't healthy and the areas that are healthy and we'll be able to grow and turn some of those unhealthy areas into healthy areas. I'm excited for this series. I hope I kind of set the stage. I just want to give you an understanding of the background and why we're doing this series to create room for God to work in our lives. Um, so this is always a scary question. Who's excited for this series? <laughs> it's like, this is like one person that says something and you're like, okay, wow. Um, no, guys, I'm so excited for this because it, it, this is the reason why. 
So often as a pastor, I can get up here and unpack a passage of scripture in a way that's very ethereal and doesn't talk about practical application. And you can walk away saying, okay, I think I learned something, but what on earth do I do with that? And my goal in this series is to spend the next 10 weeks of giving you very practical application that every time you leave this room, you walk away saying, okay, I know my next step. And so that's the goal in this. I, I believe that if you're here all 10 weeks of this, then God will use this series to shape you and mold you in mighty and magnificent ways. And all we need to do is create room for God to work. And that's what we're going to teach you a new song. If I want to invite the band up, we're going to teach you a new song this morning. We're going to end with singing. Um, so this song is called Make Room. And uh, this song is about this very idea. It sings this, this idea that says, I will make room for you, God. And, and so I want to invite you to stand as we prepare our hearts to sing something that we should be doing every day, that he shakes up who we are and he shapes us and forms us and transforms us. Let me pray for us and then the band will lead us in this new song. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you desire to work in our lives. And some of us understand the gravity of that. Some of us, we, we, that's commonplace to us. We think, oh, of course God wants to work in our lives. But, but Lord, help us to see the gravity of the fact that the creator of the universe wants to, desires to work in me. And that you've given me an, an opportunity to participate in your work of shaping and molding me and transforming me into the image of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us uh, as we look at our lives this week, as we, as we analyze, as we look at the rhythms and the disciplines we already have going on in our life, Lord, I ask that you help us to see where we can make room for you to shape us and to mold us. And Lord, as we sing this song, as we close with this song, Lord, just ask that this be sung as a prayer, that we lift this up to you, asking you truly to work in our lives. I pray this to Jesus' name. Amen.